we're going to carry on um, in our studies in First Peter. So we started last week, and we're going to carry on this week. So we're going to read um, from First uh, Peter chapter one, verses three to twelve. So First Peter chapter one, verses three to twelve. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So Peter, who's writing to church under pressure, a church that's facing persecution, a church that's in trouble, he writes to them and says that they are saved for good things stored in heaven. We are, because we are part of the church, we are saved for good things stored in heaven. We who know Jesus are saved for good things stored in heaven. Everything fades. Everything perishes. Everything ends. No matter how pretty, it passes. No matter how great, it falls. No matter how bright, it fades. Everything, everything that is except for an inheritance which is held in heaven for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. In God's great mercy, we've been given new life in Jesus. We hope for great things in heaven. And we are shielded, Peter says. 
we are shielded by faith. Now, that's an interesting thing to say, that we are shielded by faith. Because, you see, a lot of the time we get told that somehow faith is our, our affair. And you think about the phrases that you hear people using, you know, we're going to find faith, we're going to come to faith. But actually, the Bible tells us this, that by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, that God gives the faith, and we are shielded by faith. Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to all this, talking about the pressure that we're under and how we look after ourselves, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what is this faith? What is this shield? What is it that shields us? And it's this, that God's promises are true. Do you believe that God's promises are true? Because this is what God gives us. He gives us inside a knowledge that what He has said is true. When I was a young man, and I found it a bit inconvenient given the company I was keeping, to be a Christian, I attempted to live as though I wasn't. The problem was that inside I knew, and I just couldn't unknow. Even when I wanted to unknow, I couldn't unknow because I was shielded by faith, which frankly at the time was incredibly inconvenient and really irritating. But I was shielded. I couldn't unknow what I know, which is this, that all of this fades and passes and is of no consequence. As we went on, money can't save you, religion can't save you, clothes can't save you, the doctor can't save you, work can't save you, nothing can save you, and therefore it's not worth that much. So why was I extending and expending myself on things that weren't worth? I couldn't unknow that. I, trust me, I really wanted to unknow that, but I couldn't. I was shielded by faith. Here's a, here's a promise. If our faith that shields us is that the promises of God are true, here's a, here's a promise. It says this in Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, but because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely or in the AV, when I was an old man, a young man and learned the, the, the these and those, the word he uses, to the uttermost, which is a good word, by the way. Those who come to God through Him, because He always intercedes for us, to the uttermost, the uttermost. We thought about the, uh, how, how much is the uttermost? You know, that's God's promise. 
Do you know what God's promise is this? No matter how bad you've been, no matter what you have done, no matter how difficult you find it, no matter how many times you fall, no matter what your trouble, no matter how much debt, how much fear, how much illness, how much loss, how much hurt, how much rage, how much social pressure, how much bullying, how much conflict in your family, no matter how hopeless, how helpless, how powerless, how disillusioned, how let down by others, how let down by yourself, no matter how great the task, how high the hurdle, how deep the depths of your despair, no matter how far away it feels, no matter how impossible it appears, Jesus can save you to the uttermost. That's a promise. That's a promise. None of it can last. None of it can overwhelm. None of it can defeat you if you put your faith in Jesus. None of it. None of those things. Now, it might be that today what's going on in your life, you feel is giving you sufficient meaning that you don't need Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to argue. All I'll ask is this. When it stops doing that, please remember what I just told you, that Jesus can save you to the uttermost when what you invest in dies, Jesus is still alive and can save you. To the, that is His promise. And it doesn't go away. This is the fantastic thing. Even when I was unfaithful, God was faithful. He's not intimidated by my bad behavior, I'm very pleased to say. Um, he's probably used to it by now, I would imagine. But he can save it, which is fantastic. So there's a promise from God. Here's another promise from God. No, this is Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon forged against you can prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is your heritage, brackets, inheritance of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication before me. When we face criticism, when people tell us that we're stupid, we're deluded, that we believe fairy tales, that science has proved, if ever there was a lie, there's one, that if people tell you these things, the truth of them is that they have no substance. And although often we feel unable to argue against, feel overwhelmed and assailed, actually, actually, none of that has the power to beat us down. None of it has the power to beat us down. God points out this, that everything and everyone who gives us trouble, God created. He's God of them in the same way as He's God of us. So why is He going to be intimidated? If we thought about it, we are, we are to God who created the whole universe, we're ants. 
So it's like looking at us, and we're we're those, you know, we're those sort of interesting but rather harmless black ants, and the people who give us trouble are those rather bitey red ants. What's our impression of God? That he looks down at an ant and goes, oh, that's an interesting ant, and then suddenly goes, oh, but a red one, a red one, no! God is not intimidated. He is not intimidated in the way that we are intimidated. We shouldn't be intimidated because his shield of faith protects us. Do we believe that? Do we walk in that? Here's another promise in 1 Corinthians 10.30, no temptation that has overtaken you except those which are common to everybody. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, He will provide a way out for you. Do you believe that? I'm rubbish with temptation. I find it so hard to resist. I know it's an old joke, but there's a truth in that, isn't there? You know? But here's the other thing is I wind myself up. Do you do that? So when a thought comes in, I should dismiss it, and I don't. I give it its own airplay. Do you do that? I give it a, I give it a, I, I, I give it a prequel and a big introduction. I, I develop it into a feature film. I give up several hours that I should be sleeping in the middle of the night to it. I process it. I tell myself I'm being stupid and then go back to it and give it extra development. Do you do this? That's the, by the way, uh, just so you know, that doesn't come under the heading of resisting temptation, okay? That's indulging in temptation. The more we indulge, the harder it is. But this is a promise. Have you heard this promise from 1 John? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So even if I fall, I can go back. Our inheritance is in God. So even to complete salvation through Jesus, no weapon, no temptation, no situation, no conflagration, no insinuation can steal away our salvation. This is our inheritance. But do we believe it? Do we walk in it? Do we hold to it? Does it define us? That's what Peter's asking. See, Peter says this. He says, it's good that you get tested. Now, mostly for us, we think it's bad that we get tested. Mostly for us, actually, anything at all ever that moves in the slightest way inconvenient to how we want it to be is not good. And we have the fattest, easiest, softest lives of any generation in the history of the world. And yet it doesn't take away the things that we have in common with the rest of the world. Stress and pressure, conflict, illness, loss and bereavement, worry about the future, For all the other things that we've managed to accumulate, it doesn't remove any of them, and we can't forget them. 
we're kind of like, do you know the story of the princess and the pea? Do you remember that? Where you're a true princess because there are 15 mattresses and a little pea underneath, and you're like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. We are the princess and the pea generation. No matter what we insulate ourselves with, we still feel the little irritation because life is like that. It's tempting. We, it's, it's a falsehood for us to think that everything in life is going to go good and that somehow when it doesn't, we're being shortchanged. We're not. What we're being is alive because that's life. Maybe we haven't noticed that yet. I mean, nobody is excused. But we have faith that we can deal with that because we're shielded. And Peter says it's a good thing because we're there. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible says this, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message comes from the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing God's promises and believing them. Read the Bible, back to front. No promise about easy life. Promise about lots of other things, no promise of easy life. Don't put your faith in anything which suggests that your life will be made easy. It is a lie, or as we call that these days, marketing. But it's a falsehood. It doesn't exist. There is no thing about it. There is no insurance against life. There is only assurance for life, and you only get that from Jesus. But testing is good. You see, the message is this. If Jesus has complete authority and absolute security in the inheritance that's set aside for you, then testing is good. James challenges us. He says, don't just hear the word and deceive yourself, but do what it says. Do you know that passage? Don't just hear the word. People they miss out the bit in the middle. They say, don't just hear the word, do the word. But the passage says, don't just hear the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And what does that mean? It means that if we listen to all of this, nod our heads... And by quarter to two this afternoon, what has been keeping you awake at night last night is keeping you awake at night tonight. Then all the reassurance that comes from the Word of God has been heard, but have you entered into it? Have you believed it? The person that you will not speak to on Friday, you don't speak to on Monday. Have you heard? Yes. Have you done? No. Why? Because the situation, in your thinking, and it happens to me too, is still bigger than God's promises. You know? And that's the interesting thing about testing. If we say we agree and are persuaded, but then never do, if we look at an opportunity and then we turn it down, if we become slaves to our emotions, we're deceived. 
because we're deceived into not proving what we believe. And I'll just give you a few examples of this. Because Peter says testing is good. And I don't mean that we put God to the test. We're not asking God to prove himself to us. It's not that kind of test. It's that we test ourselves or we allow ourselves to be tested. So we actually discover what is true. So Peter's telling the church that this is a good thing just to discover how unassailable you are. And you only find this out from trouble. You only find this out from challenge. This kind of test that shows you what you're capable of. Think about it. When we have a toddler and they're clinging on to the sofa and they won't take that step, what do we say to that toddler? We go, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, give it another year. Be fine. Just, just stand there. Bless you. Yeah, we don't. We go, come on, come on. Now, what if they were to say, well, I might fall? Well, you will fall. So don't do it. Stop, don't. Do we do that? No, we don't. What about us then? When we look at a hill, we go, whew, that's high. And I, I might be speaking metaphorically here, by the way because um, we're allowed metaphors in this church. And, um, but we're looking at a slope. We're looking at a chart. We go, oh, Now, what, what do we say? Well, you never know if you don't try. And you go, thanks. Good for me not to know. <laughs> and it is good for you to not know at that moment. But when a challenge comes and you say, I can't do it, why do you say, I can't do it? And you say, I can't do it because I have no evidence that I can. Does that make sense? You do a bit of hill walking. You look at a slope and you go, yeah, I could do that. You think, I could do that one easily. I could do that. That's going to be tough. But I can do that. But I know what I can do because I've tested it. I've been tested. So I know what I can do. If we're never tested, we never know. If we run away from every test, we never prove anything. Does that make sense? So testing is good. If you look at an athlete, think about athletes. One of the things about being an athlete is that you get injured. So injury is an, a part of, of being an athlete. Now once you're injured, you've got a challenge. Because if you're going to get back to where you were, that's going to be difficult. Because you're frightened that you're going to injure again. So you have to keep pushing yourself. Because you see, those that compete at a high level, they hurt. And they learn to deal with the hurt. So I, I remember watching a triathlon once, and I was watching on the telly, because that's the best way to see triathlons, so I was, I, it, it, was, it was raining, and um, I was watching triathlon, and the commentator said, there was three people towards the last stage of the and the commentator said, the one who's going to win this is the one who is less intimidated by the pain. That's what they said, the winner of this race is going to be the one who is the least intimidated by the pain. They're all going to hurt. And the one 
that is the least intimidated is the one that's going to push through. And that's the one that trusts that they are okay. They, are, they can cope. They can do. And that's all about the testing and training that they've done. Does that make sense? And our Christian life is just like that. That if we shy away from testing all the time, how do we know what we can do? God has given us, He promises to give us all we need to deal with everything. But if we've never allowed any evidence to sneak into our comfortable lives, then how will we ever know? But Peter says testing is a good thing. A good thing. How can that be? That means discomfort is potentially a good thing. Now, this is where we get to this rather uncomfortable story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman. Um, and uh, somebody quite recently said to me, well, I don't like this story much because it's Jesus being horrible. But Jesus isn't being horrible. You see, the Canaanite woman runs up to Jesus and says, my daughter's demon-possessed. Help me, help me, help me. And he says, well, I've come for the Jews. So, what, do, you, do you think I should be giving this to you? And what has not been horrible is just pushing her. He's pushing her. And her response is this. Frankly, if you are who I believe you to be, Yes. And Jesus immediately responds, going, you're right, I am. What are you saying? Now, I can't tell you, so my dad, okay, my dad, when we were little, his answer to everything was always no. Dad, can I have no? Dad, can I have no? Can we have no? How about no? I was, my dad's answer was always no. That's what he always said. It was his, his starting point, his default position, no. And then he'd give it a little while, and he'd come back and he'd go, look, you don't really want that, do you? To which the correct answer was, oh, yeah. We can't really do that, can we? Yeah. Well, if you're really good, yes. And that was him. He... he and, and as we got older, when things were, you know, we were asking for quite big things. I don't know about you, but as you age, your ambition with the things you ask for your parents increases. My, my daughter got to the age of a new phone every fortnight, I think, is where she got to by the time we'd sort of drawn the line. But it, I, and this is the thing, is there's a test. It's like, well, do you really want it? Do you really want it? And the thing is, well, if you do, you'll, you'll take it. And this is what Jesus was going with this woman. He's going, well, do you really? And she said, yes. But is that what we do? This was what Jesus was saying. Here is the test, and if you have the faith, then you don't give up at the first hurdle. And you don't give in because it's difficult. And you don't run away because it's frightening. And you don't become cynical because others let you down. And you don't reject it because it's inconvenient. And you don't refuse to start because it might take a long time. And you don't give up because you don't see instant success or because other people are critical. That's your testing. You keep going. You keep going. 
Remember Jesus telling the story of this sower sowing the seed. Do you remember that? And some seed fell on shallow ground. And the, and, and the explanation was that the love of money, which meant possessions or comfort, and the distractions and troubles of this world stole it away. The time of testing, we dropped off. And that's what... But Peter is saying it's good. We get some test. We prove to ourselves that God is good, that Jesus can do anything because He has the strength, and therefore we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. How strong are you? Have you tested? When was your last workout? When did you last extend yourself? When did you last put yourself in? That's it. As Jesus can save to the uttermost. But Peter doesn't finish there. He goes, and you know what? You're in a really blessed position. Because not only do you have this incredible power that comes through Jesus to take away everything wrong that you've done and put right, but not only is in you the strength if you would but know it, to resist the most incredible difficulties and still not just stand firm, but be victorious, but beyond this, that God singled out you to receive this. And he points this out by saying, look, there were hundreds of prophets and people in the Old Testament whom God revealed this is coming. I'm going to come in a new way, and the people who get my inheritance at that point, they'll be able to stand up against anything. They'll be able to turn the world upside down. They'll be able to resist everything. They will know God. Bible says this, this is one of the prophecies. It says, nobody will say to their neighbor, know the Lord. Be why? Because it will be pointless. It'll be like, walking through a bunch of evangelicals and saying, do you know Jesus? Don't be stupid. Of course I do. That was what the prophecy was, was that everybody would know. How exciting was that? Now, those prophets were going, but when? The place is a mess. When is it going to happen? Look at everybody now. When is this going to happen? Not yet. That's what they learned. Not yet. But us, we get this. We are the new people. And there are more new people out there who don't know what they're missing yet. We are the ones who get to see what was hidden from them. We get to know the mysteries that they weren't allowed to know. We have a spiritual place beyond anything that the ancient temple could offer. We have a freedom that no law can give you. We have a revelation that in the Old Testament was reserved for an elite few is readily available to everybody. We have the power that the prophets only talked about. But they longed for it. They were desperate for it. How keen are you? How keen am I? Do you know, is it a bit like, you know, privilege? When people are born in privilege, 
they get used to it. So that we're so used to the idea that God will sort everything that we've ceased to recognize what we've got and what it's for. No. One of the things I always quite liked was this, that I remember when I was a kid, I got told that you have big muscles here to help you run a lot. You can waste them by sitting on them, but that's not what they're for. So what is our gospel Glutus Maximus for? Is it for stretching and running and striving and winning? Or is it just to be expanded for the purposes of personal comfort? That's the challenge. Because holy people press on. Lazy people sit down. The challenge with the test is not that we are proving or not proving whether we are acceptable to God or not. We know we are. It's that we might be spurred on to more courage, more extension, more challenge, that nothing intimidates us like it used to because we have proved what we are capable of through Jesus. Does that make sense? That's, that's the challenge today. So how amazing is that? How amazing are you? How amazing are you? Do you feel amazing? You look amazing. <laughs> amazing. Capable of anything. Are you seeing that you can be saved to the uttermost? Can you see that? Can you see that no weapon forged against you can prosper? None at all. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to test it? Are you understanding that you can do anything through Jesus? That you can go to the hardest place and speak out? That you can take the most difficult part of your life, give it to Jesus, and let it go? That whatever hurt or insecurity whatever pain or disappointment, whatever resentment, whatever area of conflict there is in your life, that Jesus can resolve it and move you on. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to test it? That's the question. Or do we hold back? And that's what I'm saying today. Don't hold back. This is the power we have in Jesus. We have the power to resist. We have the power to withstand. We have the power to overcome. We have power to forgive, power to restore, power to risk and rescue those we love and those we don't know, power to see and to know and to do and to become. That's all set aside. That's our inheritance. Do you feel that? Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to do something new about it? Uh, well, one or two. Here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. If you run a lot, 
these muscles get bigger. If you sit a lot, this area also gets bigger. <laughs> but that's the question for the Christian. Are we fit or are we fat? Are we, you know, are we strong and stretched? Or are we slow and self-obsessed? What is the Christian? What is our life? Is it about that? Because this is the thing, that if we don't step out, then what you struggle with today will be the same struggle that you'll have 10 years from now and 20 years from now. This is a story, I was very sad about it because he was a big hero of mine, about the story of Lonnie Donegan was on the telly today. Those of you under my age won't probably remember Lonnie Donegan, but he was, he was great. And he changed the whole face of modern music, though lots of people don't realize it. And he spent his whole life plagued with self-doubt. Nobody could ever tell him that what he did was good enough. Ever. Not ever. Now, that would be sad if as a Christian that's what you think. That now you think, I can't say this, I can't mention Jesus to these people, they'll be cross and upset. And I can't mention it. Well, can I tell you, and I don't mean to feel, make you feel bad or under pressure, that's not what I mean. But if you believe that now and don't do anything about it, 30 years from now, you'll still be thinking that. I've been telling people about Jesus all my life. Some of them have been rude to me. Nobody has ever killed me yet. So far, so good. But I know this, that I am stupid enough brazen enough, idiot enough to talk about Jesus to people now that I would have been terrified to do when I was 30. Why? Because I've kind of got away with it. You know what I mean? I've learned that it ain't so bad. It's just that passage. There are other things that I still am more fat than muscle on. I, I confess this and need to keep working. But that's our inheritance. Our inheritance is to be lean, mean gospel machines. <laughs> if we will but stretch ourselves. So that's what set aside, that complete victory, that safety of the was set aside for us by the glorious death and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom is all glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. If you want more power, pray for it. If you want to see God work, step out. And if you'd like to receive prayer today, I'm happy to pray with you. We have our prayer and encouragement team around the place. Um, but let's be a people that are lean and mean and fit and not fat and lazy. Let's test it in Jesus' name. Amen.